Welcome to the Students of Surgery podcast series, where we shed light on common surgical topics. Welcome back to the Students of Surgery podcast series. Today we have Professor Ryan Blumenthal, who is a Senior Specialist Forensic Pathologist and Associate Professor at the University of Pretoria's Department of Forensic Medicine. His chief field of interest is the pathology of trauma, especially of lightning trauma. He has published widely in the fields of electrocution, suicide, and other areas involving the pathology of trauma. He's published over 23 articles, and he has his own eight-part documentary called The Lightning Pathologist. Welcome, Prof. Blumenthal. So I think let's start today with chatting a bit about lightning injuries. Maybe we should start with a basic question. What is lightning? All right, well, firstly, people don't even know how to spell lightning. So um, they spell it all horrifically, but lightning is spelled L-I-G-H-T-N-I-N-G. If you're going to be a lightning expert, you need to know how to spell it. So it's spelled lightning, L-I-G-H-T-N-I-N-G. Essentially, it's a large spark which comes from the sky and it's measured in kilometers. And it is hundreds of thousands of amps and millions, if not billions of volts. And uh, it's one of nature's... uh, most notorious killers. How common are lightning associated injuries? Alright, so for South Africa we lose about 80 to 100 people a year and about seven times as many will be struck and survive. So actually the chances of being struck by lightning are greater than your chances of winning the lottery. So the chance of using lightning in your career is actually quite high. Wow. What are some other interesting facts regarding lightning that you can give us? Well, just offhand, two-thirds of lightning happens between the clouds, and only one-third of lightning happens between clouds and ground. So it's known as cloud-to-ground or ground-to-cloud flashes. And then you need to know, um, for scientific reasons, that there are four types of lightning. Positive lightning, negative lightning, upward lightning, and downward lightning. And you get combinations of them. So 90% of lightning is negative downward. And the way to think about this is 90% of people are negative and down. So you'll never forget that. (laughs) Very interesting. In South Africa, where are the most common areas for lightning strikes? Alright, so that will be over the high felt. Um, very little happening in Cape Town, as you know, they haven't really finished the mountain yet. But uh, most of it happens on the high felt. Um, and we have about, so we measure it in flashes per square kilometer per year. So they take an imaginary kilometer of land, a kilometer by kilometer, and they measure how much lightning strikes that piece of land over a year. So over the Drakensberg escarpment, we're getting 26 flashes per square kilometer per year. Wow, that's very interesting. And when do they most commonly occur? Okay, so lightning happens in our summer season. Um, that's between you know September and April, and it usually strikes you uh, between 3:30 in the afternoon and 6:30 in the evening. So it's when you're coming home from your hike, you know, where you're walking home from work. work. And you know, classically, South Africa is a low socioeconomic country, so people are walking in rural areas. So the rate in rural areas is higher than in urban areas. So you're losing about 8.8 per million people in the rural areas and 1.5 per million people in the um, urban areas. What are the more common mechanisms of injury because of lightning? Right, so lightning can attach to you in six different ways. So there's, the first way is direct strike, So and there's no way you're going to survive that. You will drop like a sack of potatoes. It is one of the quickest deaths you can ever hope to have. You won't see it, you won't hear it, you won't feel it. It is like, it is, it is instantaneous. The second way lightning can attach to you is what's known as indirect. This is if you are touching something metallic. So if you're on a corded phone or near your corded television, it can travel through the electricals and get to you. 
The third way lightning can get you is what's known as side flash. This is where lightning strikes an object such as a tree or a tall object such as a pole and some of the charge discharges off that object onto you. So if you're seeking shelter under a tree, it strikes that tree and part of the charge discharges off that tree onto you. The fourth mechanism is what's known as ground potentials or step potential or earth potential rise. This is where lightning is injected into the ground and then it travels like ripples through the surface of the ground, up one limb and down another limb. This mechanism wipes out whole herds of animals, but it won't wipe out humans because animals have hearts between their legs, but humans have prostates and uteruses between their legs. So you will survive fourth mechanism. The fifth mechanism of lightning is what's known as the upward streamer mechanism. This is when lightning is coming down and then within 50 to 100 meters of that down strike, you get an upward streamer coming up. And this is actually a fascinating uh, mechanism of injury. It's, so, so in other words, lightning is coming down to the tree and then you get the spark coming up off your head or the back of your neck. And then that spark can collapse going back to ground and it goes right through your brainstem and heart and this can kill you. Um, so you're not having a direct attachment. It's just an upward streamer that comes off you, the spark, and then it collapses and it goes through your heart and brainstem. And then there's my mechanism, the sixth mechanism of lightning injury, which is what I did for my PhD. And this is another way that lightning can attach or injure you and that's what's known as the lightning explosive barotrauma. So around lightning's luminous channel, because it's so hot, it's almost like 30 to 50,000 degrees centigrade. Charles Law, it superheats the air around that channel, which causes a massive pressure blast wave, which decays into what we know as thunder. And this pressure is so extreme, you can hear thunder from 25 kilometers away. So you're dealing with a significant amount of barotrauma, and this barotrauma can get you up to 10 meters away from the luminous channel. And this can rupture eardrums, it can explode concrete, it can cause pneumomediastinum, um, and it can even throw you off your feet. And this is what is known as the sixth mechanism of lightning injury. What are some other possible lightning-related pathologies? Okay, so lightning hurts you in four ways. Right? There's the light component, the heat component, the electrical component, and the barotrauma component. These four physical components of the channel is what hurts you. So the light itself is so blindingly bright, it affects the eye. And it can affect the eye in a multitude of ways. I mean, you can have retinal detachments, you can have any ophthalmological injury acutely from lightning. And strange enough, three to six months later, they develop cataracts. So it even interacts with the protein lattice of the lens of the eye. So when you get a lightning victim, you want to keep those eyes wet and closed. That's just light itself. Then there's a heat component, an electrical component, and a barotrauma component. Tell us more about the heat component. Right, so whereas lightning differs from electrocution is the time. You know, electrocution, you are frozen into the circuit and there's time for deep cooking of tissue. Whereas lightning is a millisecond. The longest flash ever recorded in history, by the way, was 7.74 seconds. That's, how, that's the longest flash that's ever been recorded and that happened in the south of France. But lightning is generally milliseconds, so there's no time for deep cooking of tissue. So you don't get what's known as the crispy critter. It's a myth, the crispy critter myth. You won't find someone that's charred, um, that you won't find. Lightning is just a quick flash over. And um, sometimes it causes longitudinal 
superficial burns that follow the long axis of the body. Um, and you might get a superficial singeing of hair and superficial um, like flame burn from the, from the lightning, which means that they were in relatively close contact to the channel itself. But um, it will not cause deep cooking of tissue. And how does lightning electrical injury occur? Okay, so now this is where it gets fascinating because lightning is an electrical charge. And the first um, person to identify that it was electrical was Benjamin Franklin, obviously with his kite experiment with the key. And he said, ah, oh, it's electrical, you know. Then <clears throat> George Gustav Lichtenberg actually found these phenomena on the skin called Lichtenberg figures, named after him, which are almost like fractal graphic type phenomenon on light skin races and you typically see this on the living and how this works um, and this is the latest information so you're getting this hot off the press here but the lightning flashes over the body and you get what's known as electron avalanche which follows a certain type of um, fractal graphic type pattern and this electron avalanche over the surface of the skin of a person interacts with the iron of the hemoglobin in the red blood cells and causes vasodilation of the vessel and um, so you get this it looks like you've been slapped with a wet tree fern they last three to six hours and they disappear and these people did not sustain direct strike it's more like a side tendril of lightning that flashes over and they're generally wet so and you, you sometimes even get them around ecg pads and if you ever do get this please track me down take a photo and send it to me please <laughs> Very good. What is post-electric and lightning shock syndrome? Alright, so someone that has been uh, struck by lightning is not the same person. They, 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 to use totally base language here, their electricals get fried. Their, their personality is not the same. You will not know this peop these people. They, they, they could be very close to you. you. You won't even know their personality. So there has been an incident. And let me tell you, we, we wrote these criteria. My colleague Chris Andrews from Australia wrote these criteria for the DSM manual. Because some people you're going to see in practice will say they've been struck by lightning and they want some kind of compensation, you know, they want some kind of payment. And now you need to find out is this real de facto bona fide lightning strike victim or is this someone that's uh, fraudulent, that wants money. So we wrote up these guidelines to determine if the psychiatric um, display of their symptoms is like real or is this fake so we wrote criteria that people must adhere to and if they adhere to these criteria then you can say this is post lightning strike syndrome or post electric shock syndrome but sometimes you're going to get psych people out there and these this is they think you see see lightning it's so blindingly bright people have an illusionary aspect to lightning they'll say lightning struck right here meanwhile when we go and we do the scene examination it's actually 500 meters away it's, it's so bright that they assume it struck them right there, but meanwhile it didn't. What are some of these criteria that set them apart from psychiatric patients? Right, well, uh, I, I can draw them up here for you, but there must be a physical incident. So there must be a, a documented physical um, you know, incident that occurred. And then also, you know, because sometimes they can present with depression or mood changes or personality changes. So we wrote up you know, five or six criteria that have to be fulfilled in order to be diagnosed according to DSM as a post-lightning strike or post-electric shock syndrome. Okay. How does lightning cause barotrauma? 
Alright, so I did my PhD on this and uh, we called it the sixth mechanism of lightning injury. I spent eight years in a laboratory at the University of the Witwatersrand through the Department of Electrical and Information Engineering. And I bought this um, ballistic gel from America called Corbin's Gel, which cost me at the time 8,000 Rand. And what we did was we shot lightning through this. Uh, we shot it first through paper, dry paper, wet paper. Then I shot it through um, gelatin, just I bought gelatin in the store and made different uh, strengths of gelatin. And then I bought this Corbin's gel, which is ballistic gel. And we shot lightning, high sparks, high voltage through this to see what would happen to the gel. And I started noticing that you get this temporary cavity formation around the spark. You know, and, and this was absolutely fascinating. So, and then what we did was I, I went through the bomb blast literature. And we, we worked out, okay, it takes so much energy to rupture an eardrum, and it takes so much uh, energy to cause a pneumomediastinum, and it takes so much energy to explode concrete. And yet when I was going to lightning victims on scenes, I was finding ruptured eardrums, pneumomediastinum, and ruptured concrete. And I mean, it's just like, you know, if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. So lightning is causing ruptured eardrums, pneumomediastinum, and exploded concrete. And then I worked out, wait a minute, you know, you need 70 pounds per square inch to rupture an eardrum in a 70 kilogram man. Therefore, lightning must have 70 pounds per square inch. And then I worked out, wait a minute, why aren't we seeing disruption of humans with lightning? Because, you know, if it is a bomb, why isn't like, you know, the head blown off and the arm blown off and all this? I mean, this is a great mystery and yet trees explode or shoes. I mean, we find leather shoes that are torn. I mean, can you imagine how difficult it is to tear a leather shoe? I mean, how much force do you need to tear a leather shoe? But, um, so we've seen that, but yet the human was intact. So this was a great question, and I went deep into the literature. There's the theory of, it's called the flash vapor moisturization theory. We, they were talking about the sweat on the person or the rainwater that would be dissipated and turn into gas. And I thought about this, can that like rupture eardrums and rupture shoes and, and disrupt stuff and explode concrete? And then I thought, wait a minute, what about just good old fashioned Charles Law, you know, with a blast wave around a luminous channel superheating the air um, that becomes thunder, um, the lightning generating sound mechanism that is thunder. And we think now that lightning goes through the capillaries of a tree and expands, or it goes through the interstices of rock. And that would explain why a whole, we, we've had up to 250 kilograms of rocks displaced by lightning. It explodes the ground, but yet humans don't explode. So. I went into the literature, so do you know how much energy you need to disrupt a human? You need a hundred pounds per square inch. Wow. That's what you need to disrupt a human. Look, I've been to scenes where I've seen a dove that was, the head was exploded and was lying loose from the, from the dove, but I've never seen a human disrupted. We've had humans that were thrown off their feet with fractured um, limbs, uh, I've had a, a Bennett's uh, subluxation of the wrist, um, but no disruption of human. So. We think firstly because the humans mainly water, um, it's, there's not enough time to deep cook the water inside, it's generally a flash over. And we also think that this um, pressure wave is under 100 psi, it's under 100 pounds per square inch. So that's what I found with my uh, PhD and now we are actually testing this in the field with the triggered, rocket triggered lightning. We've got very sensitive baroreceptors now, so we're doing postdoc stuff on lightning barotrauma. Very interesting. Yeah. Looking forward to what your results are there. What are lightning complications? Okay, so someone can be struck by lightning and 
end up in ICU and then uh, you know they can survive or die. If, but what happens to them is, and I've had like a young girl, 10 years old, that was in uh, one of the hospitals for 10 days and then she died. So they they can get acute tubular necrosis, right, of the kidneys, they can get kidney failure. Um, and we think this is maybe of the toxic ATN variety, not ischemic ATN. It's toxic ATN, maybe from myoglobinuria. Um, and obviously complications are early, late, or local or systemic. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, and sometimes, you know, when I cut that heart open, there was intracardiac hemorrhage. So the, the charge must have gone through the heart. So, um, but there was intracardiac hemorrhage. This, this is the complications that I've seen. And then obviously long-term complications such as cataracts, neurological problems, they, some people can't walk, some can't talk, and there's a lot of psychological problems. So you'll find in thunderstorms, uh, these people that w had history of lightning, they close curtains, they go into their rooms and they're terrified of lightning storms. Very interesting. Um, hopefully we never get hit by lightning. Um, I think let's wrap this up. Do you have any concluding comments around lightning? Alright, so when thunder roars, Get indoors, you're safest indoors than outdoors. And what is the safe structure? It's any fully enclosed metallic surface, such as a house or a car. And um, yeah, when someone does get struck, you need to talk to these people because there's a lot of myths around lightning. So here in South Africa, you get lightning revenge attacks. Someone thinks that they sent that lightning to that person. And then there's a, a possibility of that family going to petrol bomb uh, the so-called sender. So you need to um, have a frank discussion about lightning with the victims and the victims' families. Thank you very much, Professor Blumenthal. It's been a very interesting podcast, and I'm sure we'll hear from you in the future. This edition of the Students of Surgery podcast has been produced by TuxFM. Visit www.tuxfm.co.za for young, fresh, and relevant content. That was another edition of the Students of Surgery podcast series where we shed light on common surgical topics.